I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to another Motorsport Magazine podcast. Thank you very much for joining us. And it's going to be a good one today because I'm surrounded by some very important people. On my right is our editor-in-chief, Nigel Roback. Next to him is Simon Aaron. I think I, I call him our roving reporter. But more importantly, on my left is a man we have captured from Autosport Magazine. He has defected. Welcome, Mark Hughes. Didn't we all? Well, yeah. speak for yourself. <laughs> yes, yes, he's gone from the weekly turmoil of autosport to the monthly musings of our delicious motorsport magazine. So, uh, warm welcome, Mark, and we'll be talking to you in just a moment. Thank you. Um, let me tell you about the, uh, the latest subscription offer. It's a good one because uh, you can get up to six editions free, totally free, when you subscribe to Motorsport Magazine. There are various options, and I'll try and keep it as simple as I can. Um, there's the print option, obviously, digital or bundle. A bundle presumably means you get the print and the digital together. And uh, you'll also have access to the soon-to-arrive online archive. I, I uh, was looking at the archive yesterday with a secret password, and I must say, it's absolutely amazing. I mean, there's every single page from every motorsport magazine since 1924. <laughs> uh, it's an incredible thing. Anyway, um, if you'd like to take advantage of all this, go to www, all that stuff, motorsportmagazine.com or call us in London on 0207-349-8472. Good. Please do subscribe. Um, we need you. Anyway, um, Mark... Welcome to your first ever Motorsport Magazine podcast. Thank you very much. Just a fortnight away from the Australian Grand Prix. And I think um, you'll be going to all the races. That's right, yes. This year yes. to tell us what's happening in Formula One. So let's start with the most obvious question. What on earth is happening in Formula One right now? Well, that's the delicious thing about it. Nobody really knows. I mean, we've had a few clues, obviously, from the Hareth uh, and Bahrain tests. Um, clear that Renault has a fundamental problem. Uh, they're hopeful of at least getting it respectable by Melbourne, but they, even they are saying there won't be a full fix for several weeks yet. Um, so, yes, um, the Mercedes looks strong and reliable. The Ferrari looks reliable, not quite so quick so far. Uh, but uh, all the Mercedes-powered teams look in good shape. 
Um, it's yeah, it's going to be very interesting, I think. Uh, but uh, I don't think anybody's uh, confident about putting money down or anything like that. I have. I've put money on uh, Lewis Hamilton to win the World Championship. Anyway, um, on the front cover of the new motorsport magazine, you've arrived with something of a bang, actually, because you're calling for a revolution. Can you can you just tell everybody um, who hasn't seen the magazine what the what the main points of your revolution are? Um, I'm tr trying to envisage a Formula One that would be a little bit more uh, unpredictable than it has been in recent years. Um, a little less corporate, uh, a little more um, rebellious, if you like, and harken back the values of, uh, of an earlier age, but not in terms of technology, keeping the, keeping the technology and, in fact, having the technology more open but uh, doing it uh, in combination with uh, very severe uh, cost controls so that the emphasis would be on not on who has the, the best development budget to, to iterate or optimise tiny little things of advantage, but um, to, to broaden out the, the canvas a little and have just more, more technical interest, more variation and just um, a, a more... Uh, less corporate sort of feel about it. Yes, yeah, yeah, good. Um, Nigel Roebuck, uh, you've been watching Grand Prix racing for, I don't know, <laughs> decades and decades. A while. <laughs> A while. Um, wh wh what's your feeling about the new uh, era from what we've seen in in Jerez and, and in, in Bahrain? Do you, do you feel quite excited by it? Yeah, absolutely I do. I mean, I, I, I but I seem to be one of Apparently, comparatively few wasn't sort of sad to see the end of the VAs. I never, I never particularly. Everybody went on about the noise. I always thought it was a bit sort of hysterical and shrill, compared with you know um, engines prior to that. And I, I, I much enjoyed the last turbo era, yeah. um, and I'm, 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 I'm quite happy to you know to see us go to something new. And I think you know if. If we want, it's interesting actually to think about it, isn't it? That the company that made the great hue and cry about if we don't change, we're off was Renault, which is sort of a bit ironic at the moment. But I mean, Honda would not be coming back if we were, you know, yeah. if we were still running the, the V8s and whatnot. Mm. So you know, I find it all very intriguing. The only thing that worries me this year is that I wonder. I think perhaps it's a bit too draconian in one in one step. I think to have, um, I think they should have cut the team some slack this year in terms of the number of engines they're allowed to use and mm. uh, gearboxes and whatnot because it's all so new and so so complex. Um, and if I have a concern about this year, the one thing that I would not have made as draconian is the um, the hundred kilos of fuel because mm. I the, the only aspect of the last turbo era that you know everybody remembers and and not well was the question of. Uh, of fuel economy and sort of well, what the hell's fuel economy got to do with Grand Prix racing? Quite. I accept that it has to come into it, but I just think 100 kilograms is a bit too, a bit too uh, steep. I don't want to see you know a repetition of the early laps of Monaco last year every weekend. No, absolutely. And this not. year, you know, maybe tyres aren't going to come into it because maybe this year fuel's going to be the thing that's making them cruise, but we don't want to see them cruise. Let's complete our, our first lap of the table. Simon Aaron, um, 
from what you've seen so far, do you think that we should all be excited? I mean, we, we may get a great season. Uh, uh, there, there are a lot of very, very, very clever people involved in this, and I'm sure that the problems we've seen so far are not going to last that long. I mean, I'm as passionate about all forms of motor racing now as I was when I first discovered sometime in the 1960s that you could stick numbers on the side of cars. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, look, I'm looking forward to it as much as Mark and Nigel, just because it's a big step into the unknown. And as Mark said, nobody's quite sure how it might all pan out. Although the Mercedes-powered cars clearly have been the strongest in terms of both speed and durability. You know, even fairly late in the Bahrain test, some of those have been, a, you know, Mercedes had a couple of problems, Williams missed one day, I can't remember if it was the first or second Bar Bahrain test the whole day because of a, a glitch. Yeah. I mean, nobody is completely bulletproof. Um, I mean, it could be very embarrassing if you know we get to Australia and we end up with literally four or five cars sort of, um, um, you know, hobbling along trying to make the finish. I, I don't think it'll come to that because as you said, this is a sport with some fantastically bright people involved. It's one of the great most appealing things about Formula One is you're dealing with fantastically bright people. You are. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure they'll get to the root of it sooner rather than later. I mean, we already saw a huge leap from the Jerez test to Bahrain. I mean, I can't remember what the fastest time was in Jerez. Was it 23.7, Kevin Magnussen, something like that? 23, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, that was a little bit faster than GP2 cars were going last time they tested there a year ago. Mm. So effectively, it was, you know, all right you've got different ambient conditions and so forth but effectively they were lapping not much faster than a GP2 car yeah. by the time they got to Bahrain for the first test they were matching getting close to matching the qualifying terms they'd done in Bahrain a year earlier so they'd, they'd gone from GP2 performance to correct F1 performance in the space of a couple of weeks now obviously we're not going to get that kind of quantum leap um, now mm. because we're, you know, we're into the laws of diminishing returns but Seeing how quickly things have adapted, I'm, yeah, I'm sure it'll be within three or four races, you know, it'll all normalise. Mark, um, there's been a lot of gloom and doom spoken and written about the current state of Grand Prix racing. Um, do you feel uh, gloomy about it in the sense that there are quite a few teams that just don't have the money? And do you, or do you think it will it will sort of settle out and and i hope i hope it will settle out you have to fear for the f the long term future of some of the teams the way it is set up at the moment but there's no reason why it has to be set up that way and you would hope that common sense will eventually prevail to allow the the, the series to continue to flourish but um yes at the moment it's it's very inequitous and the top four teams find the rest are in various states of financial stress here but we have to we have to look at this don't we against the background of the fact that the, the world endurance championship is getting bigger and better there are more teams joining in and and you'd have to say that that, that for that for, for the major manufacturers that races like Le Mans have having a huge amount of relevance to people who might buy that type of car, for example. Indeed, and as I think you've got to also think of the, uh, the, the young people coming in that you're trying to attract to the sport, and you have things like there's the um, FIA has just made um, the Rallycross a World Championship, yeah. um, which is you know, gathering, a, pulling in a lot of interest, yes. especially from younger people who have been brought up on video games. And um, I think that you've got to 
remember that when you when you formulating what the future of F1 should be. I think it has to. You have to bring the new generation along with you, and you have to make it um, relevant and not necessarily just follow what's been successful before. And that the one and the, the one of the points of that is that Formula One has been spectacularly slow to embrace modern, what well, social media, modern te- YouTube and stuff. I mean, every time a Formula One video goes up on YouTube, Formula One management straight in there to get it taken down. I mean, there, there are a lot of promotional tools that you can use yeah, in yeah. social media and such like, which Formula One scarcely embraces at all. I think there's a bit of com- <coughs> complacency there, isn't there? Because we've had huge television audiences for many years up until last year. But Formula One has always been lousy at a promotion and um, be anything to do with merchandising mm. um, those are two huge opportunities that it seems to have sidestepped I suppose, I suppose this is the moment then to talk about Bernie Ecclestone isn't it I mean uh, he's obviously coming to the end of his reign um, he's 83 apart from anything else apart from any legal situations he may be involved in um, that surely is going to make a big difference when he goes whether it's for the better or for the worse it'll be completely different it, yeah, it will be it will be no question about it and one, one of the amazing things about Bernie is that when all these years he's been in charge and I mean he's such an extraordinarily powerful mm-hmm. individual and yet he he still has continued to run it on a you know a real sort of grassroots level of, you know the fact that you can you know a journalist can go and hammer on his door and and talk to him you know a lot of sports are not like that so it's 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 curious. It's a curious. Uh, it's been a very curious regime, and it will be impossible to to duplicate with anybody else. I think. So I, I, I mean, I expect you know, as and when it happens initially, there'll probably be, you know, a measure of chaos. Well, I would think. I would think there'd be at least two replacements when the time comes. Um, mm. There'd be probably one business person and one racing mm. person uh, because I don't think any, as Nigel said, I don't think there's any one single person could have that wraparound grasp of it yeah. because he's he's grown it himself. Um, so yes, uh, I can't even though there's been various names suggested, but um, I can't believe that the um, the main stakeholders haven't already um, looked at the contingency of what happens next. I'm sure they've got plans, but uh, we're not privy to them yet. Perhaps if it's Justin King from Sainsbury's, we'll get buy one ticket, get well, one free. Well, I, mean, I had heard that Justin King had been had been officially discounted. Nor have I, but I was just speculating. I was. I mean, the the only name that ever made any sense to me along the way was if if he could be persuaded to do it, possibly was Ross. But I don't think I think Ross is far too smart to you know to <laughs> want, want to spend his declining years, sure. you know, in the middle of a. Sure. A hailstorm. Let's talk about drivers, because I, I, for me anyway, they're, they're the most um, exciting and attractive part of it all. We all like to have our favourite drivers and that kind of stuff. And we got some intriguing situations, Mark, because we got Raikkonen joining Alonso at Ferrari. What's your take on what might or might not occur there? Oh, I think there will definitely be days where Kimi is faster than Fernando. And when that happens, there's, there's going to be um, tensions within the team. Let's put it that way. Um, it's not. It's not going to be. They're not. No longer going to be able to run it the way that they did with Michael and Fernando yeah. as a, a single, everything um, focused on one one guy and the other guy there in support. It's going to have to revert more to how it was when Kimi and um, Massa, old Massa, 
um, top of his form where we're operating. And um, having said that, who would I put my money on over the season to prevail? I would say Fernando, but I, I don't think it will be a whitewash um, by any means. The other intriguing one is Hamilton and Rosberg, as ever at Mercedes-Benz. You know, is is Nico really, really as good as everyone thinks he might be and, and he could give Lewis a run for the championship? Well, you know, I, <clears throat> over Christmas, I was at a party over Christmas time and somebody said, who, who, all right, who's going to win the championship, you know, next year? It's before anybody in any of the cars had run at all. Um, and I, I mean, God help me. I mean, I said Nico. And I wish to God now I'd put a few quid on him. testing turned out. I wish I'd put a few quid on him and what, whatever odds I could have got at that time. I think he's. It's interesting when I when I saw Weber in uh, in January, we were talking about, you know, his life in F1 is over now. But he was talking about you know the future. He he said Nico. Really? Yeah, because he okay. said these things are so complicated and there's so many things to think of, and that guy is unbelievably bright. Mm, you certainly will need to have a brain on board this season. I think you? he's, you know, I mean, I don't think anybody is as quick as Lewis over one lap. I really don't. But I think, um, I don't know, I think there's more to it that, than that. And, uh, sure, I, you know, absolutely. I mean, Nico can be plenty quick when he needs to be. Yeah. And he's also very smart. So. I mean, my, my opinion of Nico, I have to say, is, um, should we say, improved since. I was sitting here slagging Nigel off for being too much of a robot, uh, too much of a Rosberg fan um, in this very in this very room one year ago. I, and, but I think, as, as Nigel says, the, the complete. I mean, Nico is, you know, he speaks five languages. He's eloquent in all of them. He's articulate. He's got wider interests than just motor racing. He's a very bright bloke. And these cars, you know, Sebastian Vettel is a phenomenally bright bloke as well. Probably the brightest racing driver I think I've met. And you know, he's in complex situations we've had with blown diffusers and whatever else in recent years he's been able to adapt his driving yeah part, part, partly through you know, the hand to eye and everything else but partly through intellect as well and Nick, Nick has got that and I think you know in the, the way the motor, way, way Formula 1 is at the moment I mean he's he's very well suited to deal with it and I think much more, much better than more so than uh, Lewis is he's, the other thing about Nico is he's so calm you know, and he won't get hysterical if things go wrong for two or three races, which some of them, is not true, some of them. And he's unlikely to split up with his girlfriend every other race. <laughs> no, that's true. Too. I mean, no, absolutely. agreeing with all those <coughs> points about Nico, um, I think Lewis has taken the challenge of it on board. We were talking to him in uh, Brazil last year about it, and he was accepting that it is going to be a, lot, a more complex game. Um, he was hopeful that because the tyres are going to be uh, more conservative, you're going to be able to lean on the tyres more. Yeah. That was his main frustration with the last few seasons. Um, but he definitely t was taken on board that he's going to have to uh, prepare and get on the simulator 24-7 and all those things. He understands the scale of challenge and he, he actually said, I'm planning to have a winter like I had uh, 06, 07. In other words, his preparation yeah, yeah. for Formula 1 where it was very intense preparation. He said, that's, that's got to be the, um, the way I approach it this, this season. So it could well be that um, although it's, uh, very, the demands are quite complex, um, if he gets his head around them, because it, it's not that he lacks a brain, it, it's he no, sometimes sure. chooses not to use it. Sure. Um, and I think he, he's, he's capable of, of getting on top of the challenge. 
Um, and I, I just hope that this year generally we do see that come true what he was hoping for the, the tyres whereby drivers are no longer driving to a delta determined by the yeah, durability yeah. of the tyre and they can actually start leaning on the tyre even if the, uh, the, the fuel economy is, um, it becomes the new limitation. Yeah. But hopefully that won't involve the driver driving to a delta, it'll be the software doing that while mm. the driver is still able to drive flat out. If, if it turns out that is the most efficient way to run a race, I'm not at all um, sure that it uh, it would it would necessarily uh, go against Lewis. The other the other intriguing situation is Button and Magnussen at McLaren because um, Kevin Magnussen uh, has been one of the talking points of pre-season testing. I can vouch for the fact that everybody in Denmark's talking about it. <laughs> um, what's your feeling? I mean, is he going to put Button in his place? Do you think? Um, I don't know. It, it, that's quite a tall order, but mm. operates at a very high level. Although it, he's, he does have his off off weekends, mm. uh, that's his main weakness. Um, the, the, everything coming back from the team suggests they're very, very impressed. Yeah, and uh, he's he's at a high level already, and uh, he's um, very, very bright and um, very focused, and he's doing all the right things and talking to people that have worked with him on the driving side. They say he's, he's a class act and he will be a top performer more or less straight away. So let's see. Yeah, can't wait. <laughs> um, Nigel. Uh, the other thing that intrigues me this year, of course, in light of our testing is, is, is Hulkenberg. Yep. I really want to see Hulkenberg, you know, where he should be. Mm. You're talking about betting a little bit earlier. There's a couple of people in the motorsport office who've already put a tenner each way on Nico for for, well, the, for the Melbourne Grand Prix, which is not, yeah, no, it's no, not a silly bet. That's, that's smart. Yeah, what, 66, what to 66 to one. 66 what? to one. What? And so, how much have you put on? <laughs> I, did, I said a couple of people. I haven't done it yet. <laughs> oh, I, I usually miss out on these when, things. When was this? A couple of days ago. Really? Welcome to the motorsport the casino, <laughs> everybody. Anyway, I believe you can get very good odds on Perez winning in Melbourne. Hundred, uh, hundred to one. Uh, okay, a thousand. Um, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Nigel, I wanted to mention Red Bull. I mean, I don't think we need to go through all the what is old news now is that they've had lots of problems in in recent testing. Um, but we might might underlined see Sebastian Vettel having to really fight for his prizes and his points this year, which. Um, I'm not sure we've always seen, have we? Because he's had a superior car. <coughs> yes, he has had a superior car, yes. Um, you, you, you're quite right. I mean, it might well come to that this year. It's a, it's a matter of how long it takes for Red Bull to get them, you know, to get themselves together. Sure. Um, and Renault. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and Renault. And, um, and also, you know, how well Sebastian copes with it when it's, you know, when it's... Because if you think about it, it's, I mean, his whole life... He's essentially gone to a race expecting to win it, hasn't yes. he? Or thinking there's it's no fun. reason why he can't. He has had to fight back, though. I mean, at the end of 2010, I mean, he had to come from a long way back. Mm -hmm. Last couple of races when he was, he was yeah. a long way back. And yeah. then 2012 in Brazil as well. I mean, after he, he sort of tripped himself up by falling over Bruno Senna on the first lap. Mm. I mean, he had to recover, you know, looking at the way things were after the first couple of laps. He said, OK, this is going to be Fernando Alonso's race. But Seb kept plugging away and, all right, he had a car advantage. Um, he did all the right things and, and fought back in adversity. 
So, well, you know, you can do it. It'd be, it'd be bitterly ironic if the double points rule, which we all hate, um, which has been brought in as a kind of an anti-Vettel measure, kind of, you know, if, if by some tw- quirk of fate, if, you know, if, if by the end of the season Red Bull's got it sorted and he went to the last race 40-odd points behind, won and took the title. No, it would please te- Bernie, wouldn't it, anyway? On the technical front, Mark, um, there's been a lot of talk about, well, you know, Adrian knew he was absolutely brilliant at getting the blown floor uh, to work at its at, 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 at absolute ultimate. Now he doesn't have that. Do you think that's... W- is that one of the problems they're having, or are they all actually just new car problems? The problems I've had so far are new car problems. Um, but yes, I mean, taking away the biggest area of advantage that yeah. he had, well, it stands to reason that it will it will hurt. Um, but that's that's Adrian. He will find where the the, the biggest area of advantage is, and it's presumably somewhere else now. And he, I'm. I'm pretty confident you will find it and we've already heard a couple of comments from Jensen and Lewis from Bahrain testing that although their observations of the Red Bull although it was troubled there's a couple of corners where they were just they couldn't believe what he was able to do with it so it sounds it's only just waiting for the Renault part of the package to come together and then it's going to be up and away oh no not again that was that was Ricardo passing Jensen on the outside on the outside turn 11 yeah yeah Yeah. yeah, and Jensen I've never seen anybody able to do that before which suggests it's it's got a grip advantage on its work the thing that in a way has almost surprised me is that historically you know if Adrian has had a weakness historically it's always been that he's been too much of a perfectionist uh, and he's always been obsessive about tight packaging. Jeez, yeah. I mean, I can remember that right back to the late in house days. Um, and in a way, I was sort of. It looks as though, to a degree, that's caught him out again this time. And I, and I'm in a way surprised, but it's pleasing in the sense that you know Adrian never changes his purest yeah, think, approach to it. Yes, I think his approach is. Sorry, go on. It, it's absolutely, he's, he's looking for perfection. Yeah. Um, and perhaps you could say, well, the start of a brand new project like this, maybe that was a touch unrealistic and he might have been a bit less, um, you know, a bit more, bit more conservative. But, but, you know, but that's him. But yeah. he'll make it work in the end. And, I mean, you, you look at that thing, you look at that car and you, you already sort of, oh, you, well, it just looks like a Red Bull, doesn't he? You look at it and think that's, that's a beautiful. It looks good. It looks good. Piece of work. Yeah. But it's a matter of when it will do 200 miles sure. quickly. Sure. I think his, pro- his whole approach is to take it to where he thinks the limit may be, and then yeah. when it's not quite there, he has to bring it back. He's sort of mm. like the design equivalent of Gilles Villeneuve mm. in, in that sense. Yes, yes, yes. You just go a bit too far and then come back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think uh, the problems the car's been having, only one of them, as I understand, is four problems. Three of them are Renault problems and one of them is a Red Bull problem in the, with the cooling, um, but that's, that's sort of easily solvable. That's, that's in terms of that approach, that's mm. okay, yeah, yeah. that's not enough cooling, we need a bit more than that, and I think that's where they're at with it. It's interesting, isn't it, um, to me anyway, that a company like Renault, when you look at what they've achieved in Grand Prix racing and in other many other areas it's interesting that they've that they've you know they're a fortnight away from the first race and they've got so many problems D- does anyone why is this there seems to be a feeling um, coming out that the fact that Renault Sport Fury um, is supplies the teams 
as opposed to the situation we have at um, Mercedes with um, Brackley yep. and working hand in hand with Bricksworth and at Ferrari all everything being in house has come to bite them in, uh, the, when you've uh, introduced new engine formula. In other words, the integration between the chassis and engine yeah. side has suddenly come to be much, much more important. And all of these Renault problems became apparent only when they put the car on the track. Um, worked perfectly well on the dyno. And I think there was probably a lot more simulation, um, a lot more um, trying to replicate track conditions as opposed to dyno at both Ferrari and Mercedes. I'm sure the average Frenchman would not want to live in Milton Keynes, but uh, maybe, maybe that will become necessary. No, possibly not. But, you know, I mean, Mark is absolutely right, but, but, on the, but if you, you could say, well, yes, Renault have got this, this problem, then in the sense that they are only, you know, a supplier. Mm. But on the other hand, look at the Mercedes and the Williams and the Force India and... Well, yeah, but I think uh, the point you know is that it, it was developed with um, Brackley. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The, 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 the A team doesn't matter which one, but a team was involved in the, yeah. the, the, the development of it, yeah. which the other teams then benefited from, the customer yeah. teams then yeah. benefited yeah. from. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay, um, let's take some questions from our readers, because we got a lot of them, and they've all taken the trouble to send them in. So here are some of them. Um, do we think that the quieter soundtrack of the new Formula One will cause an outcry from the fans when, when they get going in Melbourne? Well, I, I personally haven't heard the cars live yet so I can't comment on that I think it's fine um, they're quieter but it's, it's, the, it's the quality of the noise that's important not, not yeah. volume but, um, yeah I think it's sound great good and I think yeah, from generation to generation of Formula 1 car people always moan about something whether it's the aesthetics or you know, the noise or whatever you get within within four or five laps of the first practice session in Melbourne, everybody will be acclimatised to the way they look, the way they sound. It'll just be Formula One. Yep, yep. Okay. Well, that answers uh, Chris Wright. Uh, the question came from Chris. Um, Simon uh, asks whether Honda will be hurt by missing the 2014 racing season, or will they actually be helped by having even more time for R&D? I'd go for option two. I think I think having having a year to watch and you know, see the problems that others, you know, Mercedes, Ferrari, Renault encounter, mm-hmm. will it's uh, there's free lessons. I, I'm sure it'll help them. It's good. Honda coming back's good, isn't it? It's, it's great. It's fantastic. But it, but it sort of says that Formula One must be doing something right. Well, the point is Honda would not be coming back if we hadn't changed the engine formula. So, right. You know, it's that simple. I mean, we might see a Ron Dennis-led McLaren-Honda winning races again, maybe, in 2015. That would be history repeating itself. Yeah, perfectly feasible. Don't see why not. The only thing that looks less likely now is that Alonso will be driving it. Yes, it's a lot less likely. (laughs) Yeah, since the management change, I think that's uh, sort of disappeared off the radar now. Well, perhaps we should explain that. There may be some people listening who who don't immediately understand that. But, I mean, Alonso and Ron Dennis had a big falling out right in... 2007. Yes, and Alonso said last year that the reason why he'd be, uh, he wouldn't dismiss going back to McLaren uh, was that there's no longer the same person in charge then as there was now, but that was then. And I think Martin Whitmarsh had, you know, was doing a, a pretty good job in talking him, uh, talking him round. I, I think if there hadn't been this change in McLaren, I, w- I would personally would have bet on Fernando being in a McLaren. Yeah, I agree. You I agree? Think, I think he would, yeah. I think he would yeah. have been there. Yeah. Okay, right. Um, 
Kevin Joyce talks about the new uh, harder compounds and um, how much do we think the drivers will be able to lean on them as opposed to last year's? I mean, a lot more than last year, obviously. Yes, and um, the the cars that have been able to put a few laps together, um, the, the signs are quite encouraging. It didn't, it, you, you didn't hear any talk about. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah. Drop off or having to drive to a Delta or, you know, trying try to maximize stint, stint time. The, the tires seem to be a non-issue, which is hopefully what we'll see in the races. So that's great for the fans because we, we all got a bit fed up with that, didn't we? The, the, the whole tire distraction well I, I mean i certainly did but i kept being told by some people no 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 this is great great you know it's great for the show i thought it was um a farce frankly i mean that was and when i was talking to prost recently he made the point a race a few years ago neither of us could remember which it was when mark Webber was leading with a few laps to go and could have finished and won but had to come in to you know to go on to the other compound and prost had said you know that's a farce hmm. You know what has that got to do with trying to win a Grand Prix? So that's a positive, a positive so, note. So yeah, for I, mean, I think the other thing because of the, because of the increased talk this year, um, you're still going to have to. You know, we've seen quite a lot of shots of people getting sideways, haven't we? Mm. In testing, it's so I, I think it's still going to be quite easily possible to you know to abuse your tyres. Yeah. And okay. actually, if I can just say it, Rob, while I think about it, one of the things I'm really happy about is, by the look of it, these new cars are hugely going to be hugely quicker in a straight line at the sort of top end than the v8s were um and i've always thought i've always liked it when there's a great disparity between cornering speed and yeah and straight line yeah. performance yeah. It's so be yeah models, it, it really is isn't <laughs> it yeah so i'm looking forward to that i wonder i wonder what the speed track will be uh at monza well the old in the v10 the highest recorded three. speed was yeah, in miles per hour, it was two thirty-four. Was Schumacher's Ferrari? Right. So, yeah, let's let's, let's see if that can be beat. Oh, oh. That's uh, pretty quick, isn't it? Oh. <laughs> if you've been to Monza and that's, look, yeah, that's what they run all day at Indianapolis. <laughs> yes, but they don't have a chicane. <laughs> they don't have a chicane yeah, at the end they, of they it. They don't have any hard hard, hard braking for a second gear chicane, <laughs> do they? <laughs> Um, here's a straightforward one from John Vincent. Um, he wants to know if you think that all the teams will survive to the end of the season. Mark, I mean, is there a possibility we could lose a team or 
I think there's always that possibility, but I would hope not. As I said earlier on, I would hope that uh, common sense prevails and that it, the realisation's there that we, we need all the teams that, that are there to, to remain there. When you say common sense prevails, though, I mean, surely what we're talking about is, is just have they got enough money? Yeah, but it's to do with uh, the income they're receiving, uh, the share that they get, right. the vast revenues coming in. Yeah. And uh, the, the, you, you can um, sort of strangle the golden goose, can't you? And um, yes. I think uh, if that, if the, the realisation dawns that that is happening, hopefully it, uh, it, it won't quite come to that, I would hope. Okay. Well, the golden goose... Um is, is much in uh, everybody's thoughts, isn't it? Because Mr. Ecclestone has a court case in April, isn't he? Another one. Yes, indeed. Which could, uh, I mean, could spell the end of his regime or yeah, not? Or? Well, yes, it may, it may well do. Technically, yeah, it depends on uh, the verdict, of course. Sure. sure. Um, but yes, you would think if there's any uh, guilty verdict at all, uh, regardless of whether it's a, even if it's merely a fine, um, you would have to question how he could remain in charge. Sure. Well, CVC have already said that if he's found guilty, he's, he's gone. Mm. It's just quite something, really, for CVC to be high minded about strong, anything, it was quite isn't a strong it? Statement, yeah. it's, not, it's not their normal way. You know, they no. just slide their 550 million a year out of it. And, uh, I was going to say, they're normally too busy looking at the, checking the bank balance. And exactly right, and watch the little teams struggle. Okay. Um, th nobody can answer this question, but Andrew Bodman wonders um, if nobody finished the Australian Grand Prix. I mean, well, I mean, it is a possibility, I suppose. Uh, do we know the rules for determining the result if no cars are running after 58 laps? Is <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a two-thirds distance rule, isn't there, in yes. terms of half points? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so anything from one lap up to two-thirds distance, yeah. I think, you would need to check this, but I think is half points. Right. After, after two-thirds distance, it's full points, so it would just stop when the last car stopped. <laughs> yes, that's right. So if, so if I'm the last to stop, I win? Yes. Yes. <coughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You can fudge your classification based on, you know, count back and you reward points accordingly, sort of. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um... Well, we can't ask that question. Colin Cashin asks, will Marussia beat the Red Bulls? Well, I think the answer to that is categorically they won't. I think we'll leave it there, Colin. Tell you what, I mean, Marussia, they're never going to have a better chance of getting a point than in Melbourne, are they? It's such a, you know, you look at them and you think, come on, Absolutely. there's a real chance here. Yeah, 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 yeah a real chance point. of getting actual yeah, points rather yeah. than a, a, a 12th, which is better than the 13th uh, yes, of the, of the yeah. bedroom or whatever. Yeah. No, 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 yeah, no, sure. I'm, I'm all for them getting points, but I don't think they're going to be quicker. Over the season, I wouldn't have said they're going to be Red Bull. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Unless okay. Adrian knew he transfers to Marussia instead of March or something. I think he's transferring to um, Ben Ainsley, isn't he? Anyway. Um, where do we think, um, Mark, where do we think that Ross Braun and Martin Whitmarsh might end up following um, their departures from Merck and McLaren, respectively? Do you have a feeling about that? Ross, I think, will take a year out, uh, like he did before. And if I had to put money on it, I think he will end up at McLaren. Right. I would much prefer he ended up at the FIA and um, tried to sort out the cost controls. But uh, I think he feels that Jean's style is um, too accommodating. And it, 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 this, it's an issue that would need 
more than just diplomacy who would need uh, solutions imposed and I don't think John's up for that and if John's not up for that then Ross isn't up for being part of it so I would think he will end up accepting what I believe is a very uh, lucrative offer to John McLaren. I'm sure, I'm sure it'd be lucrative. Um, as, um, as for Martin, yeah, I would expect to see him back in F1, but I've, I haven't a clue. You would expect to see I him? Would, I would expect to see him back in F1, but I haven't a clue where. Mm. Okay. Um, that, of course, would be um, Ross Braun reuniting with Honda, where there's a bit of previous. Yes, yes, absolutely. A lot of previous, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, Neil Weingart wants to know, is there any way that the double points... Um, he calls it a travesty, can be undone. Can, can this... It can be, yeah. Uh, yes, but it has to be decided before the first race, I believe. Oh. Before uh, the first yeah, race? Yes, yeah, so we, 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 we're, we're a matter of days and countdown. Does any, do any the of strategy, us... Strategy Group had a perfect opportunity to revoke it in January, didn't they? And those meetings that were called yep. by the FIA in Geneva, and they didn't have the balls to bring it up. How far it's like, is that's that simple? How far is the disbanding of the Formula One teams association s significant to to what we'll see in the future now, or isn't it? I mean, we don't have Fota anymore, do we? Is that going to be a? Yeah, I think it's a sadness. Uh, I think, but it's been a very diluted Fota for quite some time now, ever since yeah. Red Bull and then Ferrari and their satellite teams elected to. Believe um, it's been divide and conquer ever since then in terms of um, the commercial control. So the the, the actual s dissolution, the formal dif dissolution of the group, I think is sad. But I think the main damage had already been done. Mm. I agree. I think you know once once Red Bull and Ferrari had allowed themselves to be bought off and took their, as Mark says, took their satellite teams with them, um, it was you know the whole thing was just you know. Emasculated, wasn't it? No, mm. I think it only kept going as long as it did because of, frankly, because of Martin Wentmarsh. Right. I think he was the driving force behind it, but it was, it was, you know, where are you without Red Bull and Ferrari? You're never going to get anywhere with you no, know, a sport governed by Bernie Eggleston. <laughs> quite. Um, what are Fernando Alonso's options um, if Ferrari fails to give him a car to win the championship again? This year, I mean, what what would be the repercussions if if Ferrari doesn't win and Alonso decides I've had enough? Well, yeah, I think uh, he wouldn't lack for options. I think uh, he could go pretty much anywhere he liked, except McLaren. Yeah. Well, that would be his choice. I think if he didn't, if he chose not to go to McLaren, I'm, I'm sure there's um, there's space there for him if he wanted to go. But uh, as we talked about earlier, I don't think that's where he will go. Um, yeah, I mean, the world's his oyster, really. I don't. I, I think it's more a case of what could Ferrari do to keep him if uh, if they had another poor season. Well, can we can, can we speculate at all on what, I mean, why, what is the problem at Ferrari? Bearing in mind they've got huge resources. Adrian Newey, Red Bull, is the problem. Oh, okay. So yeah. they're not doing anything particularly badly. They're not. Prob they're probably not performing at any, any lesser level than they were when they were winning championships. I think it's just that the game has moved on since Adrian really got the thing going at, at Red Bull and uh, they've tried to recruit him um, and yeah. offered him huge amounts of money and um, he's just used that to renew his deals with Red Bull. Every time they've done that, he's just got a longer deal at Red Bull. 
Ferrari does now have James Allison, very highly rated from yes. Lotus, which yeah. might, uh, might add a tenth or three henceforth. I mean, I, personally, I thought one of the daftest things that happened last year was, was uh, I thought Luca's outburst against Fernando mm-hmm. was simply absurd. Because I think, I mean, all right, I know, I know Fernando, you know, his patience snapped. But, geez, he's looked at what he's been through the last four years. Mm-hmm. It's, you can't say, I mean, he's, he's more than contributed his end of the deal, hasn't he? And Ferrari fundamentally have, you know, not stepped up. And so he did snap. But I think, I think for Montezem to sort of uh, treat him like yeah. a schoolboy in disgrace and do it, and do it publicly, I, just thought, I thought you don't, you don't do that to someone like Alonso. That's a big, big mistake. <laughs> That's why I left McLaren. Exactly yeah. that yeah. attitude. Absolutely right. But of course, he is an Italian politician and... Uh well, yes. Italy changes its prime minister about every three and a half weeks, doesn't it? Um, can, can, we, can we talk a bit about come back for a moment to to what we're calling at motorsport magazine the revolution um i mean do we honestly think that any of this of the ideas that that you've put forward some of us have put forward that i mean other people in the media have put forward is any of this really likely to happen do we think yes comrade It's more. See you, see you in Sochi. <laughs> I think it, it's more to put it out there, um, and it seems to have struck a chord with um, a, a lot of followers of the fans of the of the sport. Yeah. And I, th- I think you can't ignore uh, that, that, that. There's definitely been um, a, a bit of a, a reaction since uh, this double points idea came yeah. about, and. That, that seemed to be the straw that broke camel's back for a lot of people and it's, it's sort of yeah well while we're at it that's a stupid idea and so was DRS and so was silly tyres and, and it just seems to have finally cracked a lot of people where it's, it's, it's become apparent just how artificial it has become over the last few years mm. and uh, you know, I, th- I think uh, it, the sport uh, would be well advised to, to, to listen to that and, and really we're just re- reflecting that well, my question is: Will they not? Not would they be well advised to? Though I don't know. Is the answer to that? I, I have no idea. If television numbers continue to, to decline, I think they'll realise they've got to do something because there was a big, big dip last year <coughs> in viewing figures. It was exaggerated in certain markets, but I mean the overall global viewership was down. And, and it's not pulling new viewers in. It's not pulling younger people in. It, the, it, the, the age, the, the, it's following is ageing. Isn't that because uh, Red Bull wins so many races, though? Nobody wants to tune in every fortnight and see the same person win the race, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's that as well. I'm sure there's a lot of factors working towards it, but uh, we, we just, you can tell from the, 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 the reaction there has been to this double points idea that, that uh, the um, artifice is part, of, of, part of, of what people aren't happy with. We, we, we know revolutions work, um, as, you, as you intimated, comrade, because we have... We have seen a couple work very well in, in recent months, but they normally work well when the pressure is kept up or, you know, constantly pressure, 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 not from one outburst, which is then allowed to sort of... Yes, indeed, yes. Yeah, a campaign, indeed. So how about, how about the grandstands coming down and standing outside the paddock and refusing to leave until... Be right behind you. <laughs> you lead. Uh, uh, you know, why not? I say. I think it's interesting, actually, that you know 
the problems Formula One has at the moment, the perceptions, uh, the perception of it with you know the public, it seems as though NASCAR has exactly the same problem. Yes, with you the um, yeah, they're with the they're chase, they're all sorts of silly ideas to try and you know short attention span, wow, you know get people's interest. And the, the the existing fans absolutely hate it, mm -hmm. and it's not drawing any new ones. There is the, the move. The, the, the mood is is definitely towards authenticity. Yeah, yeah absolutely. In in, yeah. in, in yeah. not just in sport, but in, in all sorts in, mm. in sport in in music in Bring all around like re real pubs. Uh, yeah, real pubs. Um, uh, in terms of music production, there yeah, is a yeah. very, very definite swing back towards authenticity, yeah. and I think this is just part of it. And Formula One seems to be slow to to understand, yeah, yeah. being slow to understand it. Well, I think you know, I mean, recently Charlie Whiting made a sort of impassioned defence of of DRS, didn't he? Mm -hmm. And when I was talking to Prost about it, I mean, he predictably hates the whole idea, but he said, but you know, but if we must have it then let's have it so that it just helps the following driver a little, but do absolutely does not make it easy. And in point of fact, I mean, they're opening DRS up this year, so it's, yeah. it's going to be, the effect is going to be greater, yeah. Yeah, I think they've done it because the rear wing is going to be less powerful, so they've felt that they had to give more effect. Because there's less, you're actually dumping less drag for any given amount of flap angle. Yeah. Um, let's take a, qu a, qu a quick question from Michael Spitali, who asks about the fuel. And I don't think we've really talked properly about the, the fuel limit, because, uh, again, there's a lot of talk about this, you know, will people be running out of fuel? Will no. they, w they won't be running out of fuel because the electronics are sophisticated enough to not allow that right. now. Um, all it'll mean is if you've um, eaten into your fuel too early, you'll just have very, very little power in the late stages. So, but you, you, the, the, the electronics won't actually allow them to run out of fuel. Right. So we could see, we could see someone misjudging it, herring off. Yes, and then being very slow and being a sitting duck in the late stages. Yeah. It'll just be like driving around on a, sh on a set of uh, shredded Pirellis. It'll have the same effect. You see, the, the, the 100 uh, kilos, um, you, you, you would have to, you, you can't run the engine in full performance mode the whole race so right. the strategy becomes about when do you yeah. when do you run it in yeah. full performance and the fastest way if you didn't have any other cars on the track if you just fastest way of doing 50 laps or whatever would be to gradually increase it so to let the fuel load come down mm -hmm. first before you then start ramping up the engine performance that'd be the quickest way to do it yeah. but if you try and do it like that run conservative in the early laps as all those other inconsiderate idiots are going to turn theirs up and overtake yeah, you yeah. so you lose track position so it, 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 it is quite a bit of game theory involved in, in the best way of running your race so that, that will be the strategy game maybe mercedes will miss Ross Braun on the pit wall because he's a good strategist, isn't he? Yes, indeed, yes, yeah. yeah Actually, we haven't yeah. mentioned... Williams is yeah. something that we do, we do need to mention because they've... Um, yeah, they've yeah. They, they, I mean, they, they, they've been doing the longest runs, yeah. they've been doing the fastest yeah. fastest lap times. I mean, all right, it's testing, so... But um, it does look... There's a huge... seems to be a huge impetus behind Williams at the moment. I mean, they haven't announced their major sponsorship deal yet. That's later this week. But they're going to have Martini on the car, as far as we know. They've got Pat Simmons, they've got Rob Smedley, they've nicked a load of good, strong engineers from Lotus. They've got Bank of Brazil. Um, they've got a raft of sponsors on board. They've got some really good technical people coming in. Valtteri Bottas, although he hasn't been able to show it very often yet, we know 
is, mm-hmm. is the real deal. And they got you can just see Mercedes engine, and they've got a Mercedes engine. And Mass are out to make a big point. Yes. What's your take on this? Yeah, I think they're going to have a great season, um, a much much stronger season than than before, and <coughs> get some points on the board, and hopefully that's a good foundation for their long term future because it's been a bit uncertain, it's been a bit up and down in recent years. Without wishing to be too uh, nationalistic, I mean, this is this is actually really very, very happy news, isn't it? I mean, I, I don't know anyone who wouldn't love to see Williams back at the front. And, and it would be an extraordinary turnaround, wouldn't it? When you, when you think of the last few years for this team, I mean, well, last year, for example, I think they scored five points or something last year. Yeah, I mean, there was that one-off win the year before at Barcelona. Okay, but, um, but yes, staying success. Not since 2003, really. That's probably the last really yeah. strong season. Yeah. So, yeah, a long time ago. You've, you've got to say, haven't you? I mean, a lot of the... Frank just never, ever... You can imagine he's been... They still do hold the, uh, the Interlagos lap record, don't they? Do they? Set 10 years ago okay. by Montoya. <laughs> anyway. You have, you have to wonder as well how Pastor Maldonado must be feeling, having just walked away from that to go and drive a, a Lotus in which he's managed about 15 laps so far. Yeah, yeah. I'm not so worried about Pastor Maldonado. I'm I know, but it's <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, good. Um, I'm just glad Hulkenberg didn't do it, as it's turned out. Well, yeah, yes. I'm very glad, you know, he's where he is and yes. not where he could have been. Yes, yes, okay. So, seeing as we're so close to the first uh, race of the year, and, and this, this, after all, is our, is our uh, season preview podcast, which is why we're focusing on Formula One completely. Um, Mark, do you have a, any gut feeling about... Uh, how this first race might go away from away from the dramatic headlines. Do you have a sort of gut feeling about how it may pan out or not? Competitively, you mean? In, in, yeah, yeah. I think um, we'll just see a continuation of what we saw in Bahrain, uh, where the Mercedes teams are very strong, particularly the works team. Yeah. Um, I think it's 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 all to play for, but uh, yeah, I would say Mercedes go into it as heavy favourites. Yeah, for sure. Okay. How many improvements can a can a team make without being at the track? With bearing in mind how sophisticated the, the simulators are these days, I mean, presumably Red Bull are on the simulator day day and night. They all are, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, they, they, a lot. And as we talked, going back to what Simon said before, you saw the progress that was made between Jerez and, and Bahrain. Yeah, yeah, it's a, they're very very powerful tools. So yes, the development rate will be extraordinary. When the revolution comes, will we ban simulators? We won't explicitly ban them. We'll just say, here's your budget. You can use it however you want. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What's your, what's your, what's your gut feeling about the first couple of races, Nigel? I mean, presumably you'll be, you'll be glued to the... Uh oh, of course. I mean, I, I, honestly, I honestly don't. I'm just like Mark. I mean, I... I, 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 based on testing, you, you, you have to assume that you know, Mercedes, the Mercedes teams, and Mercedes themselves particularly, yep. have to start as uh, as favourites. Um, I mean, I'm just, I'm intrigued to know, you know, exactly what we have or haven't seen of the Ferrari yet. You know, I mean, he went out on on super soft tyres and all the rest, yep. and, and and did a sort of simulated qualifying run. So we assume that. You know, that was what the car has. In which case, it's not quite with the Mercedes. But you never know. With you know, they've got two superb drivers, Ferrari. They have. Um, and also, to you know, they're they're both they're both bright. They're both bright racing drivers. I mean, they'll 
Hmm. They, they're not going to struggle to, but, but certainly not as much as some of the others, to sort of figure out how to make it all work. Let's hope Red Bull doesn't win or we're all, we're all going to look pretty v- stupid, aren't we? Um, well... I mean, I'm about to go away and put a, a bet on a couple of the Mercedes teams with longer odds, so it'll probably scupper their chances. So, so, <laughs> so I, I, suggest, I suggest that means the works team will win. <laughs> Let's face it, none of us know what's going to happen, but we're... No, all, we're, 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 you know, we really don't, do we? That's good, isn't it? That's great. Yeah, that's absolutely. What we want. Well, I, uh, yes, I mean, you can't point to a single team and say, well, we know whatever else they are absolutely reliable. No, and you, you can't I always mean, point to Man City football team and say they're going to win every match because they don't. I mean, unpredictability is what we all want. Absolutely, it's what sport's all about, isn't it? And I think it, it, it's good in a better way than it was at the start of 2012 when we had a different winner at each of the first of the seven races. But each time it was just kind of a, it was a corollary of melting tyres and stuff. And now you know that we can, all right, it's unpredictable, but you know that everybody's going to be, the drivers are going to be pushing. Yeah. Well, yeah, pretty much flat out the whole race. And it's, it's, I think it's, it's more, as Mark said earlier, it's a more authentic contest with the unpredictability, whereas what we had at the start of 2012... Yeah, it was a lottery. It was, it was, it was, it was a lottery. It was unpredictable, but it, yeah. it, it, it didn't... It, it didn't wasn't feel based really, on merit. It was based on Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. See, it seems to me, from what I've read and what I've seen and what I've heard and people I've spoken to, it seems to me that, that its brains are going to win this championship. I think so, yes. I think very much yeah. so. Um, because a lot of the a lot of the best decisions are going to be made on the pit wall, aren't they? Uh, pit wall and driver. I think well, driver's okay, got a lot uh, to do. Yeah. Betw- okay, mm. and the driver. Yeah. So all of this suggests that that the bright boys will be at the front. Yeah, you still need the fast car, but okay, yes, yeah, fine. but uh, yeah, to get the results, yes, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. Thinking in those terms, you would think in ter- well, I would think in terms of um, both Ferrari drivers mm-hmm. and Rosberg. And Vettel, mm. Mm. and sure. perhaps Jensen. For sure, yeah. Formula One goes cerebral. I like it. Well, uh, yeah, uh, for sure. This year, it, it, it's going to be. Yeah. It is going to be cerebral. Good, good. Okay. Um, before we go, uh, can we just go around the table and um, each have our sort of. Um, look back at what's happened over the winter and what's going to happen this season and on 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 the technical front mark um can you just run through with us what all these main changes are just so that everybody under you know understands the major differences between the 2013 car and the 2014 car the biggest difference of course is the engines so we've gone from v2.4 v v uh, normally aspirated to 1.6 V6 turbo uh, with um, hugely more powerful hybrid energy uh, which is taken not just from the braking as before but also from the heat from the, from the turbo uh, we've got 600 horsepower from the engine itself and about 160 more from the hybrid uh, a lot more torque so a lot more uh, demanding of the driver's throttle foot um, trickier to control through the corners. Uh, aerodynamically, they've lost a lot of downforce. Front wings narrower. Um, the cooling capacity has increased enormously, so the side pods are much bigger, which means that the uh, airflow has a struggle to get to the back, which limits rear downforce. And the uh, beam wing has gone from the back, which further reduces downforce. So, yes, slow through the corners, faster out of them. Uh, will we see... Some sideways stuff? Like yeah, I'm sure we will. I mean, um, Kimi 
uh, he had a big accident at Bahrain, and mm. he said that was absolutely uh, just got too much, too much throttle on there. It'll be interesting the first time we see them run in the wet, won't it? Yeah, yeah, really that is going to be good, especially, especially yeah. if it's a cold day. Yeah, yeah. They've also got fixed gear ratios as well, which is a first eight gear ratios are pre-specified at the start of the season. Yeah. Can't be changed from race to race, but with eight, all the eight of them, eight, 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 got eight, 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 eight you've actually got an eight-speed gearbox. Yeah, eight, yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, but with all the extra torque, I mean, that's yeah. they're going to remain very drivable. I thought. Yeah, very. Everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and you you can fill in the torque curve of the engine with the electronics as well. So that's the software. There will there will be a more uh, drivable engine. Okay, um, I want to take one final question from someone who claims his name is Morris Minor. Um, clearly is not Morris Minor, but anyway. Hasn't, hasn't Triumph Herald written in this week? <laughs> because we are a, a, a historical magazine as well as a contemporary magazine, uh, he wants to know what other season were we anticipating so eagerly? Because I get a sense around the table, we are, we are pretty eager. We are anticipating this one rather eagerly. I mean, he's dying to get on the plane, I can tell. Nigel's dying to go to Russia, aren't you, Nigel? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I would, would anybody bet on there being a race in Russia at this point? Yes, I'm sure there'll be a race in Russia. Well, yes, but I mean, Bernie does say. I mean, Bernie must be the only person in recorded history to have described Putin as super guy. Super guy, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm not getting involved in, in anything. But I mean, as things stand, you know, I wouldn't bet on there being a race in Russia. I, I'm sure there will be. I'm sure there will be. I imagine it'll be sorted out by them. I, I remember when there was a bit of tension in Korea and um, there was questions about whether the first Korean Grand Prix would happen and he was asked, do you think it would happen? He said, oh, yeah, I think uh, well, we'll keep an eye on it, but uh, yes, it'll be fine. So on, on what point would you consider it? Um, we, we wouldn't go ahead. He said, when the tanks went in. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, there we are. Well, I seem to remember the same about Bahrain, don't I? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, what was the question? Oh, yes. Okay. Simon, when were you last sort of on tenter hooks about a Grand Prix season? To be honest, I always am, but um, okay. I, 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 I can't remember whether I can't remember the last time I was quite as curious um, mm. as as, a, as I am now. Um, I, I honestly just uh, I can remember what happened in 1974. Everything else is too recent, so I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help you. It's it's uh, a very bad answer if you don't mind me saying. It's appalling answer. Is there anyone I've got? Well, I, I can't ever remember, ever remember a season where it was just so much of an unknown, so much up in the air. Yeah. Mm. You yeah, agree? Absolutely, yeah. R uh, you know, not at any point. It's, you've thrown a completely new technology at everybody at the same time. Yeah. And just said, like, sort it out. So, yeah, I, I agree. I, um, yeah, I mean, there's uh, like... Yeah, I always look forward to the new season, and uh, but... No, I can't. I can't recall one where pretty much everyone, including the people involved in it, including participants, have said, "I don't know. I really don't know what's going to happen." Oh, this is great news, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a I mean, it's, isn't it good? We don't know what's going to happen. If we knew what was going to happen, we wouldn't bother watching it. I was gonna say, it's a very striking contrast. Just go back to sort of twelve, fourteen years, beginning of the two thousands, when we got on the plane to Australia, and you kind of knew, you know a week in advance that you were going to be watching Michael Schumacher and Ferrari yeah maybe not winning the race but certainly setting the pace and it was it was kind of it was kind of you know 2002 2004 was the same you kind of knew that and it was you travelled every time knowing pretty much what was going to happen well same, same with Vettel and Red Bull surely I mean yes. yeah right. no absolutely 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 yeah nobody nobody wants that 
Right. Christian Horner possibly did, but... Well, yes. <clears throat> okay. Well, I would really like to see a Williams win in Melbourne. Well, so would I. I really would. So would I. I would love it. Yeah, it'd be terrific. Well, you never know, do you? Matt Massa was 33 the last time I looked. What about Bottas? <laughs> he, was, he, was, he was 66, I think. He was 50-odd, right. maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. There's clearly going to be a lot of money going into the betting shop this afternoon from this particular office. <laughs> None of mine included. Okay, well, thank you very much, everybody. Uh, bring it on. Bring on the revolution. Bring on the season. And let's see what happens. And uh, Mark, we look forward to your writing in the magazine. You'll have more space. Indeed, fantastic. A lot more space, actually. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Nigel, of course, will be with us uh, as usual throughout the season with uh, his Roebuck take on whatever whatever happens out there. And uh, Simon and I'll be here as well. We hope. Good. Well, we'll see you next time uh, for our April podcast. And don't forget. Um, that you can get six issues of our magazine completely free when you subscribe. And we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye-bye.